Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I've entitled it The Hardest Job Ever. And uh, on your seat, if you're here, you'll find a piece of paper and a pen. And I would like you to write down what you think the hardest job ever is that I'm describing, not your hardest job ever. But uh, and I started this really young, actually. Uh, I don't remember exactly what age, but I got pretty good at it. I'll just say it that way, to the point where I could have gone full time, but I chose not to go full time with it. And the job was so hard and the boss was so hard, in fact, that I had that uh, he made me work seven days a week. I didn't even get Sunday off. In fact, uh, I had to do shift work with this. It was this the, the hardy, hardest, dirtiest job that I've ever, ever had. It caused me, you know, just so much sleepless nights and, and I, I was fearful and all these things came in because of this, this work. And, and, and bar, bar none, it is the hardest job that I ever had. And when I left, I decided I'm not going to do this for a career. I, I, I'm checking out. In fact, I remember the day that I said I quit. And it felt so good. Have you ever had a job that you really didn't like? And the day that you finally walk off that job, it's like such a relief. It's like, I quit and throw a party, like, I am out of here. But what happened is the boss kept ringing me back. In fact, the boss keeps ringing me back pretty well every day. No matter where I'm at, somehow the boss finds me and knows where I'm at. I could go anywhere in the world. The boss rings me up and, and offers me my own job back. We want you back. We need you. You are one of the best. But I chose not to make a career out of this. And the fact is that many of you have made a career out of what I'm describing today and what we're going to talk about today. Because I believe that the hardest job that I ever had, and I was part-time at it, and then moved full-time, but I decided I'm not making a career and I quit. The hardest job, and some of you are full-time probably at this, the hardest job that you'll ever have is to worry. It's one of the dirtiest, most stressful, pays no dividend at all, not in the positive anyway. In fact, worry will, sh will shorten your life. I don't know by how many years, but medical science says that you know people that worry and stress, uh, they're cutting their life short. It'll cause heart attacks. Worry will affect you emotionally. It, it, it will affect your mental attitude. It'll drain you. It'll cause you untold woes physically. It's one of the worst, worst jobs that you could ever have. And so, if you're working for worry this morning, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to do what I did. In fact, by the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to walk out on worry. I'm going to ask you to say, I quit. And I'm going to show you some ways that you can eliminate worry from your life and that you can do like I did and walk out and quit. 
so that you don't end up in an early grave like I probably would have and many of you will if you don't stop it. It's really, really important. Now I'm going to define worry in a moment, then I'm going to give you what I believe are like four categories, uh, main categories of worry. Uh, these are things that, that everything kind of fits, I believe, in these four categories. But I want to define worry for you uh, straight out of the dictionary. This is not, this is kind of your job description. If you're involved in worry, this is your job description. And I uh, just want to give you that uh, right now. These things keep us up at night. So the dictionary defines worry as that, that which causes you to feel troubled or uneasy. Worry is a state of mental or emotional agitation and distress resulting from undue concern over something impending or anticipated. So the reward of worry is this, it's distress, it's apprehension, it's needless trouble, it's fretting, it's regret, it's discontentment. It's all about what we're worrying about, the economy, and there's, there's plenty of things to take up your time if you accept employment with this, the economy, the health. If you're a parent, your children, what are they up to? They're up late, oh, you know, they didn't come back. Uh, for us, our son lives overseas. There'd be just endless opportunities to worry about, about him. People worry about their job, their pandemic that's going around. It's got the whole world worrying. Impending war. In fact, some people do nothing else but worry. Like I said, for me, it was a part-time job. It was offered to me as a career, full-time, could have gone there, chose not to. But regardless, worry is probably the emotion, if you will, of our age. It's why I quit watching so much of the news at night or in the morning, getting up with sunrise. What a beautiful way to start your day. Here we go. More stuff to worry about. And if, uh, if it's not real, they'll make it up just to get you caught up in that trap so that you can go to an early grave and, uh, and kill yourself, basically. This is so bad. But worry has friends. And those friends will knock at your door, and those friends keep coming on behalf of the boss. And uh, he's got a pitchfork and horns, by the way, in case you're wondering who he is. And, uh, and worry comes with friends, fear. It's a great friend to worry. Distraction, worry causes you to be distracted out, uh, 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 off of what you really should be doing. Worry, worry has friends like anxiety and, and, and suffering and, and, and anguish and, and all of these beautiful, beautiful words. Distress. <laughs> it's all there. I decided I'm not doing it. I've had a lot of jobs, hard jobs. That's the hardest. I've had a lot of jobs that didn't pay a whole lot, but that one uh, pays the most, but not in the kind of paycheck that I wanted. And I really want to encourage you this morning, walk off the job. Do yourselves a favor. 
Do your children a favor. Do your grandchildren, if you're a grandparent here. Do your spouse a favor. Do your friends a favor. Do your school teachers a favor. Do everybody a favor, but do you a favor first and quit. Walk off the job. Now, there are things, I, I, again, I say these are categories of worry. And uh, yeah, one of them is protection. Oh, I just don't know. We're going on this trip, and, oh, you know, I watched on the news. <laughs> I watched on the news, and there was a car crash. And, you know, there's drunks out there, and there's this, and there's that. And I'm getting on an airplane. I'm getting ready to fly. And, oh, man, I've been watching some air crash investigations. And after all, you know, you got to watch those pedo tubes get blocked up. And those, you know, oh, what if that pilot, you know, he, you know, wow, 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 all the way down the line to the point where you won't fly, you won't drive, you won't even walk anywhere. You're so caught up in worry about protection. And yet God has something to say about that. I remember in Pakistan, it was in Lahore, Pakistan, and I was ministering there. And one of the pastors, Pastor Shaquille, I got in the car with Pastor Shaquille. This guy was hit with lightning and died and went to heaven. He told me his story. It was amazing. He was... Um, like died, like seriously, went to heaven. We get in his car, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is unusual because you've got little statues all over the dashboard, um, statues of Mary and some patron saint for protection or something. He's got beads and all the rest of that stuff. He gets in the car, and the traffic there is horrendous. So they'll put like six cars wide on what's supposed to be like a two-lane highway road. There's, you know, motorcycles and pollution and all the rest of it and noise. You know, everything going on. And, and, and so before we pull out in the traffic, he's on the phone. So he puts the phone, kind of, he's got the phone down. He's steering the car with his knees. And, and then he's texting while he's steering the car with his knees. And then he decides that he hasn't really done his thing for protection, so he starts doing his whatever that is, crossing himself. And, and then he's got his beads, and he's got everything else going on. And then he decides, oh, I better put my seatbelt on while he's steering the car with his knees and texting on the phone. And he's praying for protection. And I'm like, I got a really surefire way, Pastor Shaquille, for us to be safe right now, and that is to not be texting and to drive with your hands and put your seatbelt on, for goodness sakes, before you start the car up, because I don't need to pray for patron saints and all of that kind of stuff. I don't want to die because you just don't take the time, and, and you're, you're superstitious. And so many of you are superstitious when it comes to this stuff. I want to encourage you. Walk off that job. Do the right thing. Walk off the job and, and pray for God to protect you and what things that you cannot control. Amen? Amen? Second thing, that's protection. Second thing, category. These are main categories of worry. Uh, the second thing is provision. Oh, do we worry about provision more than anything else? Oh, the economy. God, oh, my retirement, it's all pushed into there. My uh, uh, superannuation, 401k, whatever you call it in the state. You know, it's all there. Wait, my nest egg. And so we're worried about protection or provision, rather. And God says this in, in Matthew 6. He, he, he says this. He says, don't worry. 
worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They're not worried about it. Your heavenly Father provides. He provides for them, and he's going to provide for you. It's really important that we go back and establish a firm trust that God is my provider. I don't need to worry about what I'm eating and what I'm wearing and and, uh, all of these things. God's got that all worked out. But he says this, seek first the kingdom. And then all these things. And don't we know about things? We love our things. Our things are, some things are big. They're house size. Some things are a bit smaller. They're car size. Some things, you know, are really small, called rings. You know, some things, some things are tiny. Some things are big. Bank accounts are things. All of these things, 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 things. Don't worry about it. Take no thought for your life. Concentrate. Think about the kingdom of God. So that, that, uh, that category there probably is the one that most of us that are worriers camp upon. And, and, and the devil keeps you up at night. He gives you a full-time job with that one. And then there's direction. That's another one. Direction. Oh, what am I going to do? If you're single, I, I know I passed through those troubled waters. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. People would tell me, you're never going to get married. You're going to be a bachelor your whole life. I can just tell. And you're like, no, I don't want that. I do want somebody. I do want to get married. I do want to have children. Uh, it's a good thing. But as my, my chronological clock ticked on, late 20s, 30, 31, ticked over, I started worrying about that. Until I realized God's got that all under control. I was traveling at the time, preaching around Australia mainly. But I'd meet people, but I was only there for a night, a few days, and then I'm off. And I'm thinking, man, I I see a lot of young ladies that I'd like to get to know, maybe take out on a date or something like that. But it was like time forbid, because I'm in, I preach, I go out to eat with the pastor and his wife usually, and then it's back in a car, I'm back on an airplane, and off I go again to the next town, and then I see some nice young ladies, but I, you know, I'm preaching, and I'm out to eat, and then I'm back on an airplane again to the next town or a bus or whatever, and it's like, how am I ever, how is this ever going to happen? But you know, I learned to trust God in every area of my life. And when it comes to direction, It's probably one of the biggest distractions or things that we worry about is what am I going to do? What am I going to do for work? Everybody else has a career. I don't have a career. Ah, What am I going to do? Who am I going to marry? Which way am I going to go? In fact, I would call that also visional worry. So there's provisional worry. There's uh, uh, protection worry. There's also direction worry, and then there's visional worry. I don't have a vision for my life. I'm worried about it because everybody else seems to have one. What about me? And I want to say calm down if that's you right now. Just calm your jets. Cool your jets. Calm down. Because God's got that under control. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's his uprightness. Focus upon him. He will work it out. But you worrying about it, staying up at night, sleepless night after sleepless night, getting all panicked about it, 
losing your joy, getting stressed. Stresses me even talking about all the what ifs going through my what if another year goes by? Another year I'm getting older, nobody's gonna even look at me then. You know, I'm I'm just way beyond my use. No. God's got it all under control. So how do you eliminate worry? I'm gonna give you roughly five things. These are things that have helped me to eliminate worry in the middle of things that, quite frankly, we want to be somewhat concerned about, but not take these things to bed with us and take them to an early grave. How, how then do you eliminate worry from your life? I'm not going to, uh, I'll, I'll give these in order because they'll come up on the screen, so I better uh, go back here and just look at my notes here quickly. But I want to give you, uh, uh, firstly, a scripture out of Luke 10. And I want to look at a woman who's about to host the king of the universe. The king of the universe and his friends, and, and uh, he'd sent, Jesus had sent his disciples out two by two. It says the 72 come back with joy. The demons are subject. Jesus is taught. He's at a big day. He taught the uh, uh, the Good Samaritan, and, and, and now he's about to land at a woman's house named Martha. A lot of us are familiar with Martha. Preachers like to pick on Martha. I'm not going to pick on Martha today, but I'm going to use Martha as an illustration today. And Martha's got a house, and she has a sister named Mary. And Mary's probably very quiet. Mary likes to just sit and learn from the Master. She likes to sit at Jesus' feet. Whereas Martha, she's got a, a bunch of people coming off a big journey. They're hungry, and, and they're about to land at her house. And, and these are not just ordinary people. This is like not even royalty. We're talking big royalty. Like imagine if Harry and, I don't know, Markle or whoever, you know, is coming over. If you're not a fan, be a fan for a moment. Just humor me. But, you know, they're coming over to your house. And they're bringing a whole big entourage. Royalty is coming. How, how clean would you have your house? How, how, I mean, you know, we have people over, and Gail's like, she turns into another person, believe me. It's like, she's like, the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> okay, you know, I'll do that. Not going to, you missed it. You, you said you vacuum. I did, I vacuum. Well, then look at this white thing. Bam. <laughs> You said you mopped that floor. I did. Bam. It's like, chill out. Like, it's just so and so and so and so coming over. Even the boys, we had some of the boys over uh, the other night. They're, they're young guys. They're not going to be looking at the floor. <laughs> Come on. Like, really? None of them commented. It's like, cleaner than our house. Pizza crust on our floor. There, you know, empty cans of whatever. And uh, <laughs> imagine if Jesus was coming to our house. Royalty's coming over. I don't know what I would do. I'd run. I'd be, I'm out of here. I'm running as far away as I could possibly get. And and, and here's Martha. Those dishes aren't clean. You call that clean? That fork? That spoon? Like. It's not clean. <laughs> She's stressed. She comes up. 
she's, she's like way out of her. She's like so ticked off because Mary, her sister, while she's cleaning, she's got so much to do. Like, come on, what are you doing? Jesus shows up with the entourage. They're all hungry. They're piling in 72 plus. That's a lot of people coming over your house. The master comes in. Got the chair for him. Everything's set up. But there's still a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't gotten done. And Mary's sitting there. She's got her notepad out. Oh, I'm ready. Point one, Jesus. What was point one, Jesus? Let me know the title of your sermon just so I can just be prepared. I've been praying in tongues just so you know. Well, they hadn't because the day of Pentecost hadn't come yet, but anyway. (laughs) So, Martha, Martha, she's stressed. She says to Jesus basically what so many people say. It's not fair! (laughs) See, when it comes to worry, that's what tends to, to come out of our mouth, at least in our thought life. It's not fair that they aren't going through what I'm going through. They seem to get the good work. They've got so much money. They've got this, they've got... It's not fair that Mary is sitting there. Tell her to get up. I'm not going to tell her. I've already told her. She doesn't listen to me. I'm her sister. She's just sitting there. And listen to what Jesus says here, because I think it's very insightful. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. And I can imagine Jesus saying this in the, most, in the calmest voice. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. I had a Martha moment this morning because we switched over to COVID QR code from Queensland Health from the old QR code. And so I did what I shouldn't do. I went out in the foyer, had a look, even though I've delegated it. And the person in charge was doing a great great job. But Martha, (laughs) That's, what are we doing that for? Where's that? Where? And, and it wasn't Jesus that said it to me, but he's kind of the closest thing to Jesus. He says, stop stressing. Just go, go back in your hole. He didn't say that, but you know, get back in your office. Do what you're supposed to do. Leave it to me. Did you say, yeah, good? Okay, that's going to be coming. That'll be coming your way the next time we have people over. Yeah, good. All right, Martha. And, and, and listen to what Jesus says. He says, uh, <laughs> you are worried and upset. Don't you hate it when you're worried and upset and somebody's really calm? They go, you're worried and upset. Like, yes, I am. <laughs> you're worried and upset. You're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Now he's going to compliment the enemy, Mary. (laughs) Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Notice the progression out of worry here. Many things. You are worried about many things, Martha. You are here right now, sitting here looking at me, hiding it. You, your poker face, you know, you got a hand right now, but you're not showing me your hand. That's okay, because the paper's on your seat, and I'm going to get you to write these things down. 
in a moment. Uh, and if you're at home, you're not going to get out of it either. So get a piece of paper and get ready to write what you're worried about. But you are worried about many things. And then he goes for many things and he says, but a few things are needed. Yes, we want to eat. Yes, I get it. There is a meal that's being prepared. We do need somewhere to sit, a table. They didn't have chairs back then. Like, they, they reclined around the table. But uh, just a few things here. Yes, they're needed. And then he goes from many to few. And then he goes from, but there's just one thing, really. And Mary chose that one thing. That's to sit and hear the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. You know that when you hear what God has to say for you, that directional worry that you're so worried about, what's the direction of my life and who am I going to marry, that visual, uh, visionary, as you will, uh, category of worry. When you hear from God, vision starts to happen. You know that protection is yours. If God, if you hear from God and God tells you to do something like he did for me going to Pakistan, like worry tried to kill me, to be honest, like his people were getting blown up. They blew up the, the Marriott Hotel in Karachi while I was there. Uh, you know, the, the, the bomb blew up not far from, well, actually where I was preaching a few weeks before that. It wasn't really settling to know all these people died where you're preaching. Worry, 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 worry. But when you hear the word, all of a sudden worry starts to fall away and it gives you a segue out where you can say, well, I, I quit. I'm not going to do that. Many things become few things. Few things needs to become one thing. And the protection, the provision, all of those things, don't worry about your life. All of those things start to, when you hear the word of God, the decision, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your paths straight. When you lack direction, learn to trust in God. Worry about vision, Matthew 6, 33. Again, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Often the, the worry is a result of not seeing the bigger picture of your life. Because you need a big word for God to tell you that. So how do we eliminate worry? Five things. We're going we're gonna to fly through these right now. But I, I want you to take notes. Write these things down. Number one. How do I eliminate worry? How do I walk off the job? How do I quit doing this thing? Number one. Do something about it. Whatever it is. So if something's troubling you. Do something about it. So many times we dwell on the problem, but we do, what, what, what we should be doing is, is dwelling on the solution to the problem. Absolutely. Looking at what can I do about whatever it is I'm worried about. If you say nothing, then quit worrying about it. Turn it over to God. In fact, the big word to eliminate worry is trust, or we can say it this way, faith. Faith is trust. Am I going to trust my Heavenly Father? Is He trustworthy? Or am I going to carry that? The old song, What a Friend I Have in Jesus. Uh, I mean, we used to sing that back in the Wesleyan Methodist Church after I got saved. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. I'm really bad with words. 
All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why, Pastor Brian? Oh, because we did not. Come on. Carry everything to God in prayer. Give Pastor Brian a hand clap. <laughs> Don't dwell on the problem. Dwell on the solution. If there is no solution that you can come up with, here you go, God, there's another one. I'm not carrying that. Where I grew up, we used to have ice storms. And black ice was probably the worst of the worst. And they were usually on overpasses where the ground couldn't, uh, there's no thermal to heat up and keep the road from uh, developing this black ice. It was black. And it was just like the, the bitumen, the, um, the road would come through. And if you got on black ice, if you if you're out driving before the trucks came out and put salt on the road or sand, if you didn't have spikes, well, you really weren't allowed to drive around the city with spikes because it wrecked the roads. So, you know, chains and all that kind of thing, they were permissible, but not not on the main roads. If you got on black ice, you could not control the car. It was just out of control. So if you hit that, whatever direction you're headed in is the direction you're going to stay in. So if you need to go around a turn, you hit some black ice, you're going straight. You can steer the car, hit the brakes all you want. It's not going to follow. But one of the things that used to frustrate me is I get stuck and I hit the accelerator and the wheels would just spin. And you could burn up a whole tank of gas, but you're not going anywhere. You don't have any traction. And worrying about these things is like spinning your wheels. Your, your, your engine's going to blow up. You're going to go through a whole tank of gas. You can just keep pushing that accelerator all you want. The wheels are turning. You feel like any moment now. But no, it's not going to happen. You have to turn that over to the Lord in prayer if you can't solve it. Number two, if you're taking notes. Number two. Stop finding fault. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the time that you are using, the valuable time that you are using trying to find out who's at fault for whatever your situation that you're worrying about, instead of solving it, well, I, I know, I think I know who, who caused that problem. Chasing that down, doing a, a crime scene investigation or whatever it is. Fault, fault finding. Trying to find fault with other people to blame them. Nobody wins in the blame game. Do you understand that? If there was a blame game like on television, okay, welcome contestants. Today, we're, we're going to play the blame game. Nobody wins. Everybody loses. And it's a, again, it's a, a wheel-turning exercise. You are never going to win Regardless of whose fault it is, you still have to solve that. Yes. Or it's not, it's, nothing's going to change. You're just going to be worried, worried, worried until you're sick, sick, sick. Number three, take a break 
from the situation. <laughs> rest is a big word, and rest causes restoration. So there's some things where I've got the engine revved up. My thought life is just going crazy. I'm pushing on the accelerator so hard, but I'm going nowhere. I'm going to burn out. The engine's going to blow up. My heart's going to blow up. My blood pressure's through the roof. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are there right now. It's, it's not comfortable. And sometimes the smartest thing that you can do is to withdraw from the situation. I remember several years ago, and uh, a friend of ours who generally watches this uh, online, Nina, <laughs> Uh, her daughter, who's now grown up and has her own family going, she was knee-high to a grasshopper, I don't know, maybe five or six or something like that. Gail would remember it. And she's looking at her, her daughter, Brittany, and Brittany's like, uh, she's almost like she's stressed, she's worried, she's got this face, you know, a child should never look, look, look like, and she's walking around and and Nina says, what's wrong, Brittany? And Brittany says this. She goes, I can't find it. And Nina says, can't find what? Nina had been saying something. Naughty Nina had been saying something that a lot of us say. Just give me a break. She'd been saying that to her daughter, Brittany. Brittany, give me a break. Brittany... Her filter didn't tell her what that meant. And she was looking, searching the whole house for a break. <laughs> and she said, Mommy, I can't find it. Can't find what, Brittany? I can't find a break. She doesn't even know what a break is, but she's looking for it. She's stressed over it. And so many of us are looking for a break. I've got news for you. Take a break. Get out of Dodge. I don't often know how much I needed a holiday till I'm about two weeks into the holiday, and then it dawns on me, man, I needed this. I didn't, didn't even realize what this meant. And, and, and I'm not talking about just physically, although it could be getting out of town and, and taking that vacation or going out back, wherever you're going to do now, this time of the season that we're in. <laughs> but I mean, you've got to take a break mentally and stop it. Just stop the worry. And, and let God restore your soul. He leads you by the still waters. The tall grass, you're a sheep. Sheep don't worry. Sheep just get out there and graze. He, 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 he maketh me, it says in Psalm 23, to lie down. Lie down. Take a break. Number four, consult with wise people. And I'm going to put an emphasis on the word wise not the companion of fools. Not the people that are going to talk the problem, feed the fault, talk about bad about people. Not, not, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wise people. It says in Proverbs 15, 22, plans fall, fail rather, for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Another translation, there is wisdom in the consultation of many. It's finding people that you respect, that have wisdom, that aren't over their head in whatever problem or problems that you are facing, and, and, and consulting those people enough to get some insight. 
Get somebody that's not in the situation, blinded by the problem, blinded by worry, somebody that can actually see into that situation. What should I do? What would you do? If nothing else, you'll get some people praying for you about that situation. Number five, and then we're about done. Number five, have faith in God. This is such a, uh, you know, it almost sounds cliche. But God is on the move. And faith is an incredible trust. But the object of faith is not the problem. I like to talk about this because I think that most of us just need a refresher course in this, quite honestly. But we think that faith is our intensity. Oh, that, that sickness. My, my faith is really high. How's that? Because I'm believing that sickness is going to go. No, faith isn't about your intensity of your whipping it up about your sickness. I believe I've got that job, that job. The intensity of my belief. Call that faith and getting that job. No, that's not faith either. Well, I'm believing that that virus is killed. <laughs> Good luck. It's not the intensity. Your intensity in the problem is not faith. Jesus told John, John asked, Jesus answered, what must we do to work the miracles that you work in John 6? I think it's 29. And, and Jesus said this. He didn't say, it's the intensity as you look at that problem, that withered hand. It was the intensity of my belief in that withered hand coming straight that did it. No, it's nothing to do with that, I'm afraid. This is the work of God, he said, that you believe in him. He is the object of faith. When you're praying for the sick, what do you see, Pastor Ed? I just see Jesus. I see him putting his hands on that sick person. I just look straight into the eyes of Jesus. There's another song, Pastor Brian, about that, isn't there? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Okay, there you go. Look straight into wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the, in the light of his glory and grace. See how good I am with words? I'm just amazing. I'll massacre everything, believe me. Faith is, faith is not the intensity of your belief in the problem going away. I want you to get this. Like, if you, if you got nothing else out of this morning, get that. Get that. That's a distraction. That'll cause you to worry more than anything else. The object of our faith the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of our faith is Jesus, the Word of God. And He is on the move. He is moving in your situation. How do you keep your eyes fixed on a target or an object that is on the move? You move with that. 
So I'm not going to stand back here and watch him going around. I'm going to get with him and keep my eyes upon him through the whole of the problem. Whatever it is I'm worried about, whatever situation, whatever people that I'm worried about, it's not going to be my eyes are on the fault-finding exercise. My eyes are upon how is this going to work? I don't understand. It's not that intensity of believing that the problem's going to go away. It's the intensity of keeping my eyes, my focus upon Jesus who is moving He's always moving in your situation. Keep your eyes upon him. This is the work, Martha. Mary has chosen that one thing, the best thing, the only thing. Not the many, not the few. The only thing. I'd like a worship team to come up, thanks. What a friend we have in Jesus. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 should come up. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Not trust that your problem's going to go away. Whose confidence is in him. Not confidence that the sickness is going to go. Or that you're going to get the job. Whose confidence is in him. That confidence is called faith. The result, verse 8. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. And I love this next bit. It has no worries in a year of drought, in a pandemic, in a recession. It has no worries. And it never fails to bear fruit. Probably the best saying that uh, Aussies say No worries. No worries, mate. I've tried to say it. I've said it. But I don't say it like you do. I kind of say it with a Crocodile Dundee accent. No worries, mate. <laughs> it sounds like to me. We came back after our honeymoon back to Australia after being in America for about 18 months or so. And my ear hadn't adjusted to the Aussie twang accent. And Gail's uncle was, we had, they had a big baked dinner, and Gail and I, straight off the plane, went straight to Wagga, sitting around the table. And Gail's uncle Jeff was there straight from the pub. <laughs> he had a real, what they call awkward accent. And he's looking at me, and he's going, rawr, rawr. and I'm like, I couldn't understand one single word the guy said. I was just laughing at anything. I thought, oh, it must be a joke. <laughs> he looked at me, rawr, 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 mate. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it could have been a question. I leaned over to Gail, and I said, he sounds like a meat grinder. <laughs> See, my ear hadn't been adjusted to hear. Your ears have to be adjusted in whatever language to no worries. No worries, mate. God's saying that to you right now. No worries, whatever your name is. No worries. And on that piece of paper that I put on your chair that many of you discarded, get it back, find it somewhere. There's a pen on your chair. And I want you to write down. You can just put big words. You don't have to write a sentence because nobody's going to read this at all. In fact, it's going to be destroyed. Don't put your name on it. Maybe it's just going to be a word that's one of those categories, vision, direction, children. 
the economy, the pandemic, I don't know. Whatever you're worried about, write it on there right now. Just take that moment if you're at home listening. Take a piece of paper, get a pen, write it out. Just put a word on there that represents whatever it is that you're worried about right now. We're about to take communion here, which represents the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, which was shed for your sins. And if you want to take communion wherever you're at right now, you can just grab a wafer, a piece of bread, and some juice or wine, whatever you've got, and a cup. Because he does wash away your sin, and one of the biggest sins is worry. It's taking on stuff that he took on at the cross. We're children, such as the kingdom of heaven. He does not want us walking around heavy looking for a break. He wants us to enter into his rest. How do you enter into his rest? You cast it all upon him. I'm going to close with this scripture, but it's in 1 Peter 5. It says, uh, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Verse 6. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. You got to get mighty close to God to get under his hand. That he may lift you up in due time. How, how do I humble myself? Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety, one translation says care, all of it on him because he cares for you. Whatever it is right now that you are worried about that you wrote on that piece of paper, I want you right now to take that in your hand. We're all going to stand together. Come on, everybody, let's stand. If you're wherever you're watching, if you want to do that as well, not finished yet. I'm going to pray for you at the end of this prayer. I'm going to ask you to take and crumple that thing up. Just crumple it up. I'd say shred it up, but we don't want to have to pick up the pieces of paper in the auditorium because poor Carmel cleans this place and that's extra work. Uh, but just take it. Right now I'm going to pray wherever you're at. I'd like to include you in this prayer right now. So I'm going to pray for you, and then you can pray out loud uh, and repeat after me. But I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just thank you right now. Whatever's on those pieces of paper right now, we just take that and we cast it upon you. Cast means to throw it, just like you cast if you're a fisherman or uh, whatever. You, you take it, you throw that away from you. Humble yourself. You, you've tried to carry it. You're not supposed to. Get rid of pride. Cast it all, not almost all of it, all of it upon the Lord. Whatever you can't solve, whatever you can't get solved through wisdom, just take it to the Lord in prayer. That's humility. It's on your knees. It's not standing up, taking it yourself. It's humility to pray and cast it upon the Lord right now. And I want you to say this after me. Right now, right now. I take... I take these things, These things that I'm worried about, I'm worried about. And, I and I cast them upon the Lord. Oh. Worry, Worry, I'm walking out, I'm walking out. Right, now. right now. I quit. I quit. Amen. Amen. All right, walk up.
off the job. Come on, somebody walk off the job. Hallelujah. Before I go, I like to give uh, people an opportunity to ask Jesus into their hearts. So if you're here and you've never asked him into your heart, I'd like you to pray this prayer with us. If you're watching online, uh, just pray this prayer out loud. This is not a formula. This is asking God into your heart. It's asking Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. It's giving everything unto him. So say this out loud with me. Say, Dear God, I give you my heart. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I repent of everything I've done that was my way. I'm following your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Now, if you did that, you can email us. It'll come up on the screen. Uh, if you're here, please come and see me. We'd like to get you started with the Bible. And, uh, and we've got a study that you can help to get into that to be a disciple. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.